This is Unstoppable with Zen Honeycutt, Episode 40, Legal Perspectives on Keeping 5G Out of Your Town. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here with me today. This is such an important topic. I cannot stress how important this is and urgent. And I know there's a lot out there right now that we all feel is urgent and crucial and scary. And, you know, I would just invite you to keep into perspective what is the most impactful and immediate and um, almost assuredly harmful issue to look at. And right now, I believe it is this 4 slash 5G smart grids issue. And last night, there was a call with a lawyer that gave us some amazing perspectives just from his experience on many years of working on uh, this issue. And I'm going to share them with you today. Okay, so the lawyer's name is Andrew J. Campanelli. He's from New York. He's a state and federal litigator. And he began his, his legal career as a litigator in 1992, and he's handled over 5,000 civil and criminal cases, and he has litigated over 1,000 cases to conclusion. He has prosecuted and defended a wide range of cases in both state and federal courts, and um, he does things called uh, QTAM, whistleblower actions nationwide, and cell tower opposition nationwide. Uh, civil forfeiture of prosecution and defense and civil rights litigation, also select criminal defense. And uh, he's based out of New York. He does handle cases um, nationwide, but that doesn't mean that he can or will, you know, handle your case if you choose to contact him. And um, his the the law firm is Campanelli and Associates PC. Okay, attorneys and counselors at law. So you can look up Campanelli, C-A-M-P-A-N-E-L-L-I-P-C.com. And so this call was not recorded. So I need to say from the get-go, I am simply paraphrasing what he said. And I may have, you know, I may have written my notes down inaccurately. I'm a human being. So if there's anything that I'm going to say today that you want to use. Um, and I would urge you, first of all, to get a lawyer. And second of all, to bring that information to your lawyer and have them confirm things. You know, like uh, I, he, he spoke, simply spoke too fast for me to get the reference of some um, particular, you know, rulings or sections of, of the FCC um laws and the Telecommunications Act and things like that. There's some things he just spoke too quickly about. So I'll mention issues. And then then I'm asking you to bring it to your lawyer to get legal advice from your lawyer. So what I'm about to say is not legal advice. It is simply information that you can use to think about and strategize with your local group and with your local lawyer on what strategy you want to use to approach your city. Okay. So, um, and once again, it's not, this is not legal advice and, um, 
you should not consider Andrew, uh, Andrew Campanelli, you know, when I refer to what he said as your lawyer, you can't go to your city and say, my lawyer said, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Cause he's clearly not your lawyer unless you hire him. And there are other lawyers to hire as well, but, um, uh, I believe you may in some cases need to have a lawyer within your state, but I'm not sure about that because he did say he does, um, take on cases across the country. So I, it sort of depends. I would ask your lawyer about that, but he gave some extremely important information. And, um, some of this I have heard from other lawyers. Some of it I have not, um, you know, the interesting thing and, and he acknowledged this as well is that different lawyers will say different things. And that's because their education on the topic is different, or they may be interpreting the law in a different way. Or if the city lawyer that uh, is is representing the city attorney that's representing your city um, has been had a good talking to by the telecom industries, they will flat out give misinformation to your city. So you cannot assume that your city attorney is necessarily, you know, completely on your side and will only give factual information um, because one, they may not know it, or two, they uh, may not uh, be completely unbiased. They may have had a good talking to by telecom companies. And three, they may be more concerned with protecting the city from a lawsuit than they are with protecting the residents of your city or town. And they are sorely mistaken, and that's one of the first things that he mentioned, the lawyer, uh, last night, was that uh, number one, you know, their hands are not tied. That's what the city attorneys are telling the staff in most cases. Look, our hands are tied. If we don't agree with this, if we don't approve it, um, they will sue us. And the fact is, is if telecom sues your city council or city commissioners for not approving the application for the small cell wireless facility, they're also called DOS nodes, or there's a different kind, but they're also called DOS nodes. And the DOS stands for, um, oh, I don't think I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, distributed antenna systems, distributed antenna systems. But you can say small cell facilities, and that encompasses both. The point is that if they do sue, if telecom does sue your city, they cannot gain anything except for approval for the permit. They cannot gain money from the city for damages or even for lawyers' fees. So it really is a hollow threat. There's really not much that your city can lose except for, you know, the permit being approved. And even then there is recourse. Okay. So my the first angle I'm going with is deny, 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 deny these applications, just deny, and they can deny based on aesthetics or um, several different issues, and um, and I'll mention those in a minute. Okay, I'll go I'll go back through the notes. So you're going to hear some pages turning because I took many many pages of notes. Um, so if they do go up. And just following that course of action, if they if they do sue and and by the way, 
They have not sued in many places like Los Altos, California has denied 13 applications and they have not been sued. Okay. So, um, they, they may just go away after the denial of applications because they're in this to make money and get up as many small cell facilities as possible in the shortest amount of time. And if you present yourself as a pain in the butt city, they're probably going to go find some other city that's not being a pain in the butt. Um, so this is a time to speak up and to be a pain in the butt folks and, um, not necessarily to your city staff and your city attorney, but to be persistent and then have your city occur as a real pain to telecom. Okay. This is very important that we just simply have to make it incredibly difficult for them to install this technology in our cities. And, um, and I'll tell you more why in a little bit. I'm first going to go through some of these 10 points. Okay, so if the, if the polls do go up, the power can be limited, limited and turned off if it is on land that's owned by like a school or a church or um, a particular piece of land that was gifted to that entity by perhaps like a wealthy individual, a wealth landowner before. And usually in that deed, there will be a clause somewhere that will say that this land is not meant for public use. So that, first of all, can mean that the poll can be completely denied to be put on that property at all, because this poll will be for public use. And second of all, if the landowner did allow the um, poll um, if, and this may not have anything to do with that deed issue that I just mentioned, but if the poll was on land that was owned by somebody that had a say so about it, you'd have to have your lawyer look into this exactly who that is. I believe it is school or church or somebody like that. They can say that the power needs to be turned down or that it, or the poll could be turned off. So it depends on where the poll is being placed you know, that, uh, you know, like especially a fire firefighters, but firefighters have said they don't want these poles on their property at all. So they're already a good example of somebody that has said, you know, we don't want these and has been allowed to not have them. So your school can absolutely deny this to be on their property. Now, if it's on the municipality land, like a public right of way across the street from the school, it is a much more difficult issue because legally they're not allowed to say that the power has to be any less than what the FCC limits are. And we already know that the FCC limits are 5 billion times higher than um, what is needed for our cell phones. And that level is very, very harmful. Um, In fact, I, I will mention now a few of the reasons why. Okay, so one of the things that was very disturbing uh, that he said was that there have been studies and repeated, you know, um, reports shown that within 1,500 feet of a cell tower, the risk of leukemia and cancer goes up 300%. And children are especially vulnerable to this. And um, he has seen examples where um, he said, in especially in high levels, like people who live in apartment buildings that are up high, that are more equal to the level of the small cell facility or the macro towers, you know, any of these wireless telecommunication facilities that people in apartment buildings up high top levels, or, you know, just higher up are exposed to this at higher levels. And for instance, there was a uh, New York city professional, you know, 
wealthy businessman owns top level apartment. And um, within two weeks of the small cell facility going up outside of his apartment, he, one of his ears went completely deaf. And so he wants to sue, right? He's experiencing harm from, from this um, small cell facility. That's his claim. And that's what he's going to sue for. Another group of residents in a New York city apartment building, none of them knew each other, a whole huge group of people at the top level of the building. And you know how it is in New York. If you've ever lived there, most neighbors don't know each other. They, they kind of don't want to know each other because they're afraid if they're crazy, that they're going to have to like deal with this person in their life. And they're all crammed in so close into apartments that they kind of avoid each other. So none of these people knew each other. And uh, they all ended up reporting to the doc- their doctors around the same time, um, the same symptoms. And eventually one of them ended up talking to the other one in the hallway and mentioned being sick. And the other one said, I am too. And so they eventually started talking to each other and went on door, knocked on doors and talked to their neighbors. And everybody in that section of that upper part of the apartment building had the same exact symptoms. They all got them at the same time and they all reported them to their doctors at the same time. And their doctors all recorded that these people had not had these symptoms before and uh, that they were likely being impacted by this poll. So so they're going to sue. And um, I just heard personally from a mom out in Virginia that a poll has been put up within a thousand feet of her home. And it's also coincidentally right across the street from a school. And within a matter of days, they had nosebleeds and headaches and tinnitus. She has constant headaches and uh, they are extremely stressed out. Now, Campanelli said that the people that live in this apartment building, if they don't move or if they don't get the pole turned off, he said within seven years, all of them will likely have cancer. So this is very serious, folks, and it is very urgent and it's happening right now. And, you know, I know that climate change is also happening right now, but this is like you could wake up tomorrow with one of these small cell facilities outside of your house or your apartment and start experiencing effects right away. I mean, it could happen within weeks, um, could be days, but in mice, within seconds, they saw changes in the DNA. And there have been many, many studies showing DNA damage, the breaking of DNA. Um, it, there, has, there have been many studies showing infertility and sterility. There have been many studies showing uh, cancer and um, all kinds of, of health problems. And the first symptoms you'll feel will be headaches or nosebleeds or tinnitus, fatigue, uh, things like that. And it, they also, um, they weaken the immune system. So you may be getting sick more often and just have trouble getting out of bed. So, you know, these are issues that are, it's, it's, it's urgent. And, um, and you need to be able to know how to, you know, go up against this. So, so the two top most important things that you must communicate to your um, your city council or your town, right, is that the applicant, but besides denying, okay, that's the first thing, just deny, 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 keep denying. Um, the next one is to, to realize that the, the laws state that the applicant has to prove a significant gap in coverage 
in order to justify having to put in these small cell facilities. Now, number one, they can't prove a significant cap in coverage for 5G because that technology does not exist yet. So they're not using that. They're not saying that these poles are going up for 5G. They're saying that they're going up for 4G and that they need better coverage for cell phone calls. And if you drive around your city, if you live in a suburbia, in most cases, you've got plenty of cell phone coverage. And if you even go to the Verizon map and type in an address, it will show coverage all across the country in pretty much everywhere, except for maybe the boondocks in the middle of a desert, right? But I mean, you've seen the maps of these T-Mobile, T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, Verizon, they say, we've got you covered. And they show the almost the entire country covered. So there really is no significant gap. And what the applicants give present in their application, according to this lawyer, is pretty much across the board fraudulent. They give this map that um, is called a propagation map, and it has no data. It's just a map of like, here's before and here's after. He said it's like a, it's like a cartoon. It's, it's, it, it's, it's as um, relevant as like a cartoon drawing. It's like simply made up. And it's not based on hard data. So what we want to ask for is the actual hard data that will show a gap in coverage, meaning the number of dropped calls and the actual recordings of the, you know, the frequency levels, right? And, and um, so they have to provide hard data. That is very important. They call it um, a fact-finding determination. So they, they need to ask for the actual hard data, which proves a significant gap. And um, I had planned on, because I got advice from another activist, to go around the city with, a, um, with my cell phone and just videotape, you know, have my husband videotape me making a phone call in those areas where the, um, the small cell facilities are proposed to be constructed. And by the way, you can get that information from your city commissioners or city council, and um, they have to give it to you. So you just ask for what are the addresses of the current or pending locations of any small cell wireless telecommunication facilities. Don't ask for 5G because, as I told you, they're not going up as 5G. They're going up as more 4G right um, applicate you know facilities. So I was going to go around and rec- simply record myself making a phone call in that location, um, showing that there is significant coverage, significant coverage. But this lawyer said, no, don't do that. That will just occur as anecdotal because it's not enough occurrences. He said they, he's even have somebody go around and make 500 phone calls from the same location and record it. And, um, the, it was still deemed as anecdotal. However, There is a device, he said, that you can attach to your phone and drive through your city within that one mile radius, and it will record 300,000 occurrences of the, you know, recordings of the frequencies and whether or not there's significant coverage. And that is uh, factual data. So the only problem is he didn't tell us the name of that recording device. So we have to Google it or, you know, find out from 
another activist group. Um, there's there's a lot of bunch of uh, so there's a, there's a bunch there's a lot and there is a bunch of different 5G groups and one of them may have it on there. Um, I'm going to look at lessemf.com that they sell products, and I'm also going to look at ehtrust.org and 5gcrisis.com uh, for what what type of um, device that might be. And we'll also post it on momsacrossamerica.org um, as soon as we get that information. But there is a device, a recording device that, where you can record the cell phone coverage in your in your area. So that is a very important thing to do. The applicant has to prove there's signif- there is a significant gap, and we can also prove that there is not a significant gap. So that data is enough reason alone to deny an application. Okay. And then number... Uh, three of the top things to do is to um, have them prove the least obtrusive location. This is actually two of the ones I just mentioned, the second one. The first one was deny, deny, deny. The second one is to have them prove the significant gap. The third one is the least obtrusive location. And they have to show that where they want to put that pole is the least obtrusive location. There's some other legal jargon around that as well. Um, but that's the, that's the one that stood out the most and that there are no other alternatives. And this is important because, um, you know, they, they are required to do that, have the least obtrusive location with no other alternatives. And so that they must be asked to prove that. And if their application does not prove that, that's a reason to deny it and have them go back and prove it. Now, my city also said, you know, this is like a marriage that we're going to get into here. This is not just a one-time date. If they put up a poll, they're going to want to put hundreds or not, if not thousands of polls up. Uh, one one activist figured out that with every uh, 100,000 people, they're likely to put up 3,000 polls. So this is not a small issue to start allowing these small cell facilities on 30 foot poles all over your city or allowing them to be attached to your telephone poles all over your city, right? It's not a small issue. This you're talking eventually thousands of these. So they must be, you know, the, the least obtrusive. And, um, and if they do allow them or before they allow them, your city really should ask for a five-year plan. And this is not coming from the lawyer. This is just what, um, actually, my city commissioners mentioned, you know, we, we should really have a long-term plan. We should have a master plan around this. We should know where they're going to go and what the impact's going to be. And, you know, all of that to the property values and we should know our legal options. So they, the first time this came to them, they um, stated that they wanted a continuance. So that gave their legal team more time. And it also, they said they didn't like the aesthetics of the Whole and they needed the you know applicant to go back to the drawing board with the aesthetics. So that's what they did. And your your city can keep doing that too. Just say, you know, we need a continuance on this. We need more time, or they can declare a moratorium and say we don't want to do, you know, have anything um anything approved for the next six months, which is also a very good tactic. The lawyer didn't say this, but I'm saying this because the lawyer mentioned that there are cases right now, there are lawsuits, and they could have um, salute, you know, they could have those lawsuits resolved in five to six months. And those results could actually, you know, give your city ground stand, you know, grounding or standing for denying these applications. So waiting five or six months is a really good tactic for, um, you know, having them be empowered to do prudent city planning. 
because if they approve these poles now or, you know, small cell facilities to be put on poles or telephone poles in your city, and then five or six months from now, the laws have all changed, then they've gone ahead and basically allowed the pollution of your city, you know, needlessly. They could have waited five or six months and it could have, you know, been completely different. So, okay. So that was the top, um, those top two, the applicant has to pr- prove no significant gap and least obtrusive location. Um, okay. So the next one is that they talk about how, you know, the telecom act says local government may not regulate regarding environmental concerns to the extent that they are FCC compliant. And this is a really sticky issue because this is why why the city attorney says we can't regulate, right? And and they'll say that because the applicant is saying, oh, of course we're FCC compliant. We're well within the range. In fact, what's coming out of the poll is no more than what's coming out of a cell phone. Well, first of all, what's coming out of a cell phone is very strong. It is way more, um, you know, for instance, I measured what's coming out of my cell phone or my kid's cell phone, actually, when a video was playing and it was 2.5 million microwatts. And uh, over 10 is considered harmful and over 1,000 is considered considered dangerous. So first of all, what's coming out of the cell phone is dangerous and you should have your cell phones hardwired, okay, with an Ethernet cable cord. And then second of all, the lawyer said that if I had $1,000 for every time an RF, um, which is a radio frequency expert, lied in front of a city council, he said I would have a much nicer car, right? Like they, they are not always telling the truth folks. And the fact is, is that, um, the, according to my notes, he says that there is a group of people that tested the, the, uh, levels of radio frequency at high levels of, uh, in apartment buildings. And he said that nine, and this was on the top floors, right? Where macro towers and, um, and I'm not sure about small cell towers, but when they tested 90% of the time, the power coming out of these facilities were, was higher than FCC limits. And so there have been people who have tested and he said, and if you want to get on this, if you're an activist and you want to get on this, um, testing the, the power that's coming out and getting an RF engineer is really important because they know what to test for, but testing what's coming out of those, those poles, small cell facilities or macro towers near an apartment building, you know, on the high levels of the, uh, you know, second, I mean, more than second, but higher levels, um, is really important because most of the time they are not FCC compliant. So you can, you know, you can testify in front of your city council that, listen, he said, they say they're going to be FCC compliant, but how do we know? And there are other cities that are now suing because what's coming out of these facilities are not FCC compliant. And we should have the right to know. So we need regulation, right? And we need these polls to be monitored and the applicant needs to pay for these, that monitoring every single month. And uh, that can, you know, it can get expensive and they, it needs to be a random um, testing. So absolutely, we should have monitoring of what's coming out of those polls if you allow it up in your city. But if this is put into the ordinance, the applicant is likely to see this as too much of being a pain in the butt, right? It's it's a real pain in the butt for them to have to prove no significant gap um, or, or a significant gap. It's a pain in the butt for them to have to find the least obtrusive location. 
that, as I mentioned earlier, right. And, um, and that there's no other alternative and it's a real pain in the butt for them to have to pay for, um, monitoring. And, um, and that is, you know, it's important that for the safety of the city, however, and for compliance that they actually are monitored that what's coming out of these polls is below FCC limits. Also, um, they should be required to do a visual impact analysis. That's uh, their perspective of this uh, particular particular lawyer. And according to the law, actually, um, they are usually fraudulent. Um, the visual impact analysis, meaning they have to basically Photoshop the poll into the photo to show what it would look like. And what they usually do is they take a picture or they use the angle um, you know, of that area of the city and then put the poll in and show it in, in a way that is from the perspective where other buildings are not visual or it's too close to actually see what the other buildings are, right? It's not actually showing the visual impact. In fact, for instance, if the poll is, you know, 10 feet outside of someone's home, you're not seeing a photo from inside of the person's bedroom, right? Where the poll is 12 feet outside of their bedroom. So what they're, sh- what they're presenting is not a true visual impact analysis. If you don't see the impact from the homes or the buildings, you know, the businesses nearby, what they're going to see. So that's a, re- that's a good reason to deny an application as well. Um, Okay. Another thing to consider is did the people nearby get proper notification of a hearing of the public hearing? Were they notified that their, this poll might potentially go up? And, um, if they did not, that's a good reason, not only to, you know, deny the application, but to pull the poll down. If people weren't properly notified, then the poll will have to come down and, um, or at least be, you know, turned off. So that is, um, something to discuss with your lawyer. Also, the doctor's uh, note for a patient uh, with immune systems or EMS, this is a very important issue. If there's somebody that is experiencing EMF sensitivity, you know, or has EMS electromagnetic sensitivity, or somebody who um, actually is getting sick from the pole, they can go to their doctors. It, it especially helps if they've been going to the same doctor for a long time, and the doctor can, you know, re- you know, testify or write a note that this person didn't have these, um, symptoms before, if it, if it's a new thing, or if they have, they are immune system sensitive, um, and they feel that this poll, if it goes up, will impact them. They can write a note uh, based on that. And that note given both to the applicant and to the city can stop things entirely, right? Because they, if they are notified that, you know, like it's, I, I believe he didn't say cease and desist order, but it's basically like a cease and desist order. If they're notified, um, then, then that can actually, you know, stop, um, all of that. So I'm trying to look for my notes somewhat. Um, but anyway, that's just an issue to bring up to your lawyer that, that could, um, that could prevent things from going forward. And you don't have to be he didn't say this, but from other conversations, what I've heard, you don't have to be, um, you know, found by a doctor to have electromagnetic sensitivity. It's just something that you record or that you report, um, that you can, you know, that you have had these different types of symptoms. Like for instance, I know a woman who can close her eyes and, you know, when, when her husband's driving around a city 
And if she's trying to take a nap, she feels something and she can say, we just passed a pole, didn't we? And he'll say yes. And that would be like a macro pole or, you know, a pole, a cell tower with a bunch of antennas on it. She can feel um, the impact of that. And there's a lot of people, there are millions of people now across America that have this issue. And, and I believe, you know, this is not something we're just born with. I believe that this is something that, you know, our systems get overwhelmed with electromagnetic sensitivity. And over time we develop the sensitivity. So anybody could develop the sensitivity and, um, there might be people genetically or more susceptible to it who are more sensitive, but you know, this, the, the way that these radio frequencies impact everybody, it's the same. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white or old or young or whatever. Um, it, but the young are more susceptible by the way, because they're, um, the, ratio of their brain surface and uh, their immune systems not you know fully developed and all of that stuff so okay so one of the last things that he did uh, mention is uh, when people said you know how do we how do we get across to our city council members when um, when they're not on board with you you know when they've been told by their city attorney that our hands are tied we can't do anything about this and they just want the issue to go away and they're allowing the polls up everywhere he said, grassroots, he said, you've got to show up. You've got to fill the city council room. You've got to, you've got to show them that this is important and you've got to communicate with them. And so, um, once again, I'll reiterate how important it is for you to get organized and to talk to your local neighbors and the people where this is proposed, where these small cell facilities are uh, proposed to go up. Those are going to be your strongest allies, right? The people who live right near one of these poles, they are going to um, get in action because the people who are most affected are the ones that are the most effective, right? And if they think they're going to be the most affected, right, it's going to be right by their home, then they will be the most effective in communicating that they don't want this to happen. For instance, I gave one of my flyers when I was going around to the 17 proposed locations in my town to a post office worker. And I said, did you know that one of these poles is going to be put up right outside, like right on the sidewalk, right near a few, you know, maybe a few dozen feet from a post office. And he said, no. And I said, well, I have some flyers. He said, give me a bunch. I'll give them to the postmaster. And then the last time I talked to my city, I discovered that that pole is intended to be moved. So you know, if there's not enough efficient, uh, sufficient locations in your city, they may go somewhere else. They may say, you know what, there's just, you know, in, in the city there, there are not, uh, avail- there are not enough locations available that are considered, uh, I don't know, what is that least obtrusive, right. And, uh, no other alternatives or whatever. So they, it may, it may occur to them as too much of a pain in the butt to, put up poles and or small cell facilities on poles or on telephone poles in your city. So that's the goal folks is we want to keep them each one of us. We want to keep them out of our cities. Of course, we don't want them to go to other cities, right? Um, But that's what they'll likely do. And so this is why it's so important that you know this information now, because once these applications are approved, it's very difficult to do something about them. Now, there has been an instance, um, and I didn't get to talk to the lawyer about this, but like, for instance, in Huntington Beach, there was a woman who had a pole put up 65 feet from her house. She had to sleep under aluminum screen 
screening for three months while she begged the mayor to turn it off because she was having such health effects from it. And he did. But there's still 22 other polls up. I, I haven't had an update recently, but there may still be 22 polls up that are all on. It just depends on whether or not you speak up about turning them off. But they won't likely take them down because once the applications are approved, the applicant sees those as like, I forgot the legal phrase, but they basically have a right and that's their property. It costs them a lot of money to put that poll up. So it's very difficult to have it taken down because that's considered an asset for them now. And so if, if um, you have a poll that's already been approved, it's already up, it's already radiating, uh, this particular lawyer won't take your case because he says, I'm sorry, it's, it's too hard to lose. I mean, it's too hard to win that it, you, will, you may lose. Um, he is considering you know, doing lawsuits based on health ramifications, uh, but he doesn't know of any that have been tried and have been successful yet. So um, we are interested in hearing from people, especially in Northern California, who are experiencing health implications from uh, 4G, you know, small cell facilities. Uh, if you if you are in Northern California and that this has been a problem for you, we are interested in hearing from you. So you can email me at info at momsacrossamerica.org. And in other places across the country, um, there may be a chance of you having a lawsuit, right? A successful lawsuit. So I would contact either this lawyer or contact us and we'll forward it. Um, if you have health issues and, and what I, this is not from the lawyer, but what I would personally recommend is that you are documenting everything, that you write everything down. And if you think that a poll is going to come in and you haven't been successful in stopping it, get get an RF, a radio frequency engineer, a professional to come out and do a reading um, in your home, in your, you know, especially any top floors and bottom floors, do get a professional readings done before and after and record all of your um, health, any, any differences that you feel in your health, make sure that everything else is consistent. You know, like you're not on a new medication at the same time, or you're not eating a totally different food or whatever, make sure to just have things be consistent and also, uh, keep going to the same doctor and communicate what's going on with them. Or if you think that you, you know, will be susceptible, if you have any type of autoimmune issue at all, which pretty much half of America does right now, um, then, then you can ask your doctor for a note saying that if this poll is installed, you are likely to experience health ramifications from it. And, um, you can submit that letter of requesting, uh, accommodation. This is that that's, it's a, it's a legal thing. You're supposed to be able to do that to, to request accommodation. And that accommodation would likely be to not, uh, put the poll up by your home. Um, I would also submit that workers could do this too, business owners. Um, this, this lawyer mentioned that a business owner had um, a poll put up outside of his office and all of his workers said that they were getting headaches and he had to shut his business down and move it. I mean, if there's any, if there was ever a reason to sue, I would think that would be it. I mean, that he has a loss of business, right? A loss of uh, income or or 
you know, services or employees or whatever. I mean, that anyway, so I don't think that we should just try to keep this out of our neighborhoods. I think we should try to keep this out of our towns and our cities all together. We should not allow them to be constructed in our towns and our cities at all. So again, I'm going to keep saying deny, deny, deny. Um, we also did touch upon the issue of insurance. And I, I did think, and I still think it's a very important issue to ask for them to get insurance um, by a third party. And it needs to be radio frequency, you know, or EMF harm, you know, from, you know, the, the insurance can't just be insurance for, I don't know, like falling on the street, right. Or starting fires. It has to be for radio frequency harm. Um, but this lawyer in particular didn't, wasn't super excited about that. And I don't know if he, if it's, that's because he hasn't tried it or what I, I think so, because he didn't say that it won't work. He just said that I, I'm not sure that that'll fly. So, but I would imagine that in the minds of a city commissioner who wants their city to be safe, especially my city has been listed, you know, the safest city in America or, you know, in the top five or 10 safest cities in America for many years on and off now. Um, I would, I would think that they would be interested in having insurance for any type of utilities put in the city, considering that one of their, you know, um, crowning achievements has been to be a safe city. So, um, that would be, I would still think would be important. Um, okay. I'm just going to look over my notes a little bit. He, he said, if you're having trouble getting any information, like, um, what the applic application says, right. Or any deeds from any land or anything like that, you just need to call your city council and ask who is the freedom of information officer. And then you want to submit them with a request. I don't know if it's a particular form you have to fill out. So just ask, is there a particular form I need to fill out or can I just send an email to them? But you want to request the, um, any documents on file for any applications for small cell wireless telecommunication facilities, right? Or DAS nodes, D-A-S nodes. But I think if you say small cell facilities, it'll include the DAS nodes. Um, okay. So I think that's it. But um, again, I want to reiterate, it's really important to get your own lawyer. And um, if you think you can't do this, think again, okay, because there are lawyers that will take on cases. They're doing this for many different cities. And so they'll sort of tack you on for a reasonable amount. I don't know if it would be a thousand or 5,000. I don't know, but um, there could be, you know, reasonable amounts that would be um, within your reach to fundraise for. And I've seen many cities do GoFundMe's. And so they create a GoFundMe to help keep, you know, 5G out of our city or our town and ask people to donate a hundred bucks. And if you get enough people doing that, you can absolutely raise the money for a lawyer. So please do not consider, do, do not think that it's out of reach. You just need to ask. And there may be a wealthy individual in your city. If you go to them, you know, a business owner, a real estate person, if there's anybody that has anything to lose here, it's real estate agents. And there are some very wealthy real estate agents in some cities. So you may want to go with them and just, you know, ask them if you can meet them for tea and, or coffee and sit down with them and talk to them about this issue and say, listen, we got a really good lawyer, you know, one of the best, and he needs $5,000 or, you know, $1,000 as a retainer. Are you, and you're, you know, are you willing to support this effort? They may say yes. They may really not want this to happen. So just ask, okay? Ask around and uh, don't, don't, don't just think that you you can't do this. 
Okay. Um, I think that's it. There's a lot of information today. This today's podcast is a little bit longer. Um, but please do make sure to take the steps of going to your city council and your city planning commissioners now and asking them now for the addresses and locations of the pending current or pending small cell wireless telecommunications facilities, get that information and then grab a flyer off of 5gcrisis.com. Or I think we may have uploaded one to our website on momsacrossamerica.org under, under action and stop 5g grids and take that letter around to the pending location addresses and, um, and say to them, look, this is what's going to happen. And I need your help. We need to organize. We need to raise money and we need to show up at these hearings. We need to pack the hearings. We each need to have three minutes prepared where we're not talking about the same thing over and over again. We need to get organized and have these different talking points. I'm going to update our talking points that are on our website now with covering some of these things that I just said. It's going to take me a day or two to do this and to get it you know, confirmed, get the information confirmed, but I will have them up as soon as possible and other websites like EH Trust and 5GCrisis.com and um, We Are the Evidence and Children's Health Defense, many of these websites facing this issue, Safer EMF, I think.org, have a lot of different talking points that you can use. But you, we need you or you need you and your city needs you to start bringing these issues to your city council member or city commissioners now before it's too late, before these polls are up and approved because we are talking about inevitably very serious health issues for everyone that's within range of these small cell facilities. And uh, you don't want that to be you, right? I mean, we don't want it to be anybody, but for sure uh, you don't want it to be you and you don't want um, to have to be facing this with legal, um, you know, legal issues and you know, lawsuits after it's already been installed. You want to stop it ahead of time. Okay, so super important to get on this now. And uh, I believe that's it. I know that there's a lot uh, more information out there. Um, oh, he did mention OTARD, by the way, that it will cost more to put these antennas on homes than on poles. So he doesn't think that that's a really big issue. But um, Children's Health Defense has a whole campaign fighting that. And I think it's always a good idea to preempt them from passing any type of ruling that could allow them from putting a, a, a small cell facility antenna or the antenna for the satellites, you know, on top of your neighbor's home. I think it's always a good idea to, to try to stop that. So, okay, well, there's lots of information that's out there. I'm going to stop here for today. Um, but I do want to remind you that anything that you set your mind to is possible. We just need to you really, you just need to believe it and share with people, communicate with people effectively to have them, you know, really get on board with this with you. And if you're not communicating effectively how important this is to prevent, um, don't give up. Just find a different way to communicate it or communicate what you want to say or get somebody else on your team who's an engineer or a scientist or a doctor or a lawyer right? Who can support you in communicating it. Um, maybe look at how you're communicating it. If you're being angry and defensive and accusatory, maybe that's not the best strategy, right? And, and if you ever find that you are being that way, 
you know, sometimes it's best to let someone else do the talking. You know, I, I find there's times when I'm angry about something. I'm like, okay, I'm not the person to talk about this right now. I'm going to let that nice, sweet lady with the pearls on. Um, and, and, you know, that's, uh, really like has a completely dismissed, um, demeanor. She's just sweet and kind and like soft and gentle in the way that she talks. I'm going to let her talk about that for a while now, or I'm going to, I'm going to be quiet and, you know, let the engineer talk for a while now. So don't take it personally. Don't be like, you're the one that has to get this done. Bring in the troops and bring in people that can talk about this in a way that is effective. Okay. And by all means, do not give up. Keep being unstoppable. Okay. So keep sharing this information and get a lawyer on board and keep going. Thanks so much for listening today. I appreciate you. Appreciate all of you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.